Welcome, Hollis. Thank you so much for joining us on the I Am Unbreakable podcast. Great to have you. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to see where this conversation goes. Oh boy, where will it not go, right? <laughs> I mean, when you and I chatted, I think I looked at my watch and I probably, you know, we went over maybe 45 minutes and it felt like it was five minutes. We have so many of the same sort of um, mottos and we have a lot in common when it comes to what we're doing and our journey. And you really captivated me with one of your questions. I don't know that I ever normally get stumped. I sort of have the gift of the gab as you do. But you stopped me in my tracks to think, and I love your question. So can you share that one question with me and with our audience? Was it the one with how do you incorporate creativity into your own life? Well, I asked three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Well, all of those questions are beautiful. I just love the fact that you would ask that from somebody, you know, I do consider myself an artist in many different ways and shapes and forms, but somebody on the outside may not, right? Because when you think artist, you think, you know, painting, uh, whatever it may be, sculpting and, and whatnot, you think of a real artist that is creating art, but you made me really think about it in such a different way and such a unique way. And I think that's one of your many gifts is that you're able to have people go inside themselves and think, well, how am I creative? And regardless of what they do, uh, whether it's, you know, being a life coach, whether it's being a doctor, a dentist, a mother, there is a creativity that you do everything with. Is that how you came up with sort of that analogy or those questions? That's exactly it. And thank you for seeing it. And thank you for, because we just met. So thank you for seeing that in such a short period of time. Um, Absolutely. So it's coming through very strongly. Yeah, my company is called I Am Creative and my publishing house, Express Yourself Publishing. But my mission is really to expand this definition of what creativity means beyond these societal standards, just like you said, of somebody who is a quote unquote societally seen as a artist, which is generally tends to be people who can draw, people who can paint, people who can act, musicians, like people who fall in that category. And my mission is really to expand the definition so people can I feel- I love that. Well, it was super clear to me because when you said that, it was like, oh, that's pretty deep. That's interesting because you really do, you know, I love when people ask you things that you have to, that are not, let's just say the norm, like, so what do you do, you know, and things like that. But, you know, you actually made myself and I'm sure many others uh, who you posed that question to actually think, yeah, how, how do I bring my craft or my inner creativity to what I do on a daily basis? And I absolutely love that. And mm -hmm. wow publishing house you're doing you know obviously you're an artist can you just tell me briefly about what your journey has been I can and thank you for asking so yeah ended up went to art school didn't know I was going to go to art school I wasn't that kid that was like I know exactly what I want to do I wasn't the kid that was winning awards and you know being seen and noticed for their talents but I just thought thought in a different way. I always saw the world in a different way. I was always like the kid who was shy, who was to, would turn purple to drop shy. of a hat. I so, so crazy shy. Oh, um, I was the person 
when we were that I would blush and it wasn't this cute little, oh, you have pink cheeks. You are purple and blotchy. And people would be like, oh, do you know that your face is? I'm like, do you think I don't know? <laughs> like, I just want you to escape and hide, hide underneath the rug. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you think I don't know that I feel like I'm going to pass out that I, I want to go back to that. Uh, in a minute after you finish about uh, your bio, because that's so interesting. And I know you and I had a quick conversation about that, but uh, very interesting. You should say that. Okay. So you didn't really know. And so you sort of fell into it. How, when, where, why? So I ended up, you know, here in this traditional route, um, which we ended up not doing with our kids, but you go to college. So it was like, what am I going to do? So I was like, I think I'm going to go to art school. I've always enjoyed it. So my guidance counselor said, you're not good enough. I was like, well, the hell with you. So I ended up getting in and then, uh, thank you. Thank you. So then kind of like doing this quickly, then I, um, got an art, a residency. Um, I, I studied ceramics. So I think three-dimensionally, I'm, that's really how my brain works. Although as I've gotten older and as I have ideas, I've learned to kind of have the idea and then figure out how I'm going to create it and what medium I'm going to use for that meaning also beyond the visual arts um I love that and also through your writing which yes is a whole creative process all on its own because yeah. I think that whether you're a visual artist um whichever type of artist you are uh we're all sort of artists and I, the way that I view it is you know our world is our canvas or our journey is our canvas mm -hmm. how which brush we choose to paint with at any particular time in our life. I mean, isn't it great? It's our choice. But I love how you've taken, you know, your art, let's say background in schooling, and you have just really manipulated it into something and formed it into something that's so unique. Well, thank you. And I love that you just said the brush that you choose to paint with. Um, when I look back at my teaching career, which I've ended up teaching for 33 plus years, like it's insane. I'm kind of like, how did that even happen? Like, I didn't know that was going to happen. My choices in teaching weren't these traditional choices all of the time, meaning artists and residencies, professional developments, having my own businesses, and then public, private, and charter schools. And I kept wondering, why do I keep ending up back in the schools? Like, I hated school when I was a kid. Like, why <laughs> as an adult am I choosing to be back in this space, which was really always about wanting to make it better. Always wanting to create, as we know, like uh, create a better experience. And I've realized that I left teaching. I call it, am I allowed to curse here? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> you go. You Yeah. Poo-poo doesn't cut it sometimes. You can say as many <laughs> four letter, three letter words as you'd wish. So go yeah. ahead. Thank you. you I, have my, I had my fuck you 51. So <laughs> So <laughs> this is, I'm this, feeling that one. I like that. <laughs> my fuck you 51. So my daughter, um, at the time, my kids are now 20, 23, but my daughter was a 20 year old. I guess she was like 14, 15 at the time. And she said, why are you so cranky all the time? And that was one Don't of you the love when they ask you that question. And then when you ask them the question, it's like the exercise. Right? comes out sorry I had to say that no but it's it, it's so true because that was the light bulb moment where the mirror was there my kids Love knew it. in utero what I did like they went with me when they were in me they went with me when they were out of me and here I was stuck in this routine because I care so much 
And I've always been saying for all of my years in these spaces, I've always been saying that creativity goes, be you don't have to know how to draw or paint to be a quote unquote artist. I've been saying that ever since I'm 19 years old. So, but then at this point, so caught up in my head of the day of the hows, how could I do better? How could I engage the kids more? How could I have stopped the fight in the room? How, how could I be a better teacher? And then my daughter, then I walk in the door and my daughter says this to me. I'm just like, okay, I hear you. Like, I'm so not present. I am not, I haven't been present for a long time for them, for my husband, and most importantly, myself. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to go to him and say, do you mind if I check the box not coming back in the fall? Exciting. Because I'm and more then, than halfway the there. Real journey. Yeah. And then the real journey begins. And isn't it interesting? You want to call it midlife. You want to call it sort of the way that I look at it. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 50, 70, 80, doesn't really matter. I think rebuilding and reinventing ourselves is something for me as an individual. I thrive on that. And you're right. We get stuck in uh, certain positions for you know, the betterment of the industry, which, you know, I, I got stuck into the private investigation sector um, for some time. And I loved it because the industry needed change. It needed a voice. Yeah. Uh, my clients needed me. But it, it, it's so funny. So many of our journeys, and I'm going to go back to a few things that you've said that is so important. And I wonder how many people um, actually are, are, uh, young people, um, older people are experiencing some of the things that you've already uh, touched on, which are huge, huge uh, sort of obstacles for folks. So, um, but it's so interesting that we sometimes, especially as women, almost throw ourselves on a rock and sacrifice ourselves for the betterment of others. And sometimes it's in the wrong space. Sometimes it should be under our own roof. Sometimes it should be in a role of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes it should be advocating or being an ally. But how beautiful is it that, you know, your daughter brought that to your attention and that will be your forever story. That was your aha moment. And I love that you tell people that because so many times people will say to me, oh, you know, I've taught my kids this and I've taught my kids that. And of course, I mean, we taught them not to poop their pants and their ABCs and whatnot. But if you really look at it, how much have they taught us, mm -hmm. right? From unconditional love to patience, a lot of patience and so many other wonderful things. So I love the fact that you credit her for that. That's beautiful. Oh. Thank you so much. Like she teaches me so much. Both of my kids teach me so much. She is the very, very verbal one in that way, where uh -huh. she's very much my, yeah, yeah. Is she we, number two? She's two. Um, see, I'm a second child. My second child, I always joke with them and say, if you were my first, you would be my last. But thank <laughs> you. But they're, you know, they're they're all very different, but very loving, very kind, very vocal. You never have to guess how they're feeling because they're going to tell <laughs> you whether you want to hear it or not. And uh, yeah, so that that's awesome. I love, I love that. Where do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother. I Are have you first or second? You seem like much more. Am I guessing right or wrong? What do you think? Where do you think I am? For one. Yeah. 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 See, you're more grounded. You're more 
chill. You're more where second children need to be seen and heard and all of that fun stuff, right? It really is sort of putting them all in the same box, but I've had lots of experiences with uh, children yeah. number two, but nevertheless, you have your journey just, and again, we'll, we are going to get past uh, sort of where you are, um, where your daughter has, you know, kind of, like you said, I love the analogy of made yourself sort of take a, a dead stop and take a look in the mirror. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. Um, mm. It's not an easy thing to do when you're younger. It, it doesn't matter what age that you're at, because I always think, I, I don't like to ever say, you know, people have regrets or people, you know, wish they would have done things differently because then you wouldn't be who you are today. Um, but I think that looking backwards, there's so many, you know, therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists that say, you know, you should never look back, you know, deal with it and then forget it. And my, my big thing that I always tell all my clients and I do myself and anybody else who will listen is look back to see how far you've come. Yes. I think it's just so profound to say, you know, God, I wouldn't have thought I am, I would have been where I am today. 10 yeah. years, look at yourself 10 years ago, you would never have thought you're going to be on a podcast, um, you know, people celebrating you, people learning from you in just such a different, like you say, non-traditional, unconventional way. And here you are. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, when we're really ready to expand there, there's the way of going through life where you just kind of follow the rules, whatever that is, whoever's created those rules and you do that and you're not the happiest, but you just go with it. You suck it up. You're like, I'm putting on my adult pants and I'm just doing it because this is what adulting is supposed to be. And then there's the people that are like, wait a minute, We're, there's the expansion. We learn our lessons along the way. It's like, okay, yeah. I am a quote unquote adult because my age shows that and my body shows that. Yeah. Way. But I'm not, this isn't, I, I, I have a right to be happy. I have a right to like, to be curious, to, to discover, to make mistakes. I have permission to make mistakes. Like imagine that of us actually giving ourselves permission. And I know this sounds cheesy, everybody, but really it is so like, it's like a weight is lifted off of you when you're like, you can be like, yeah, I messed up. Okay. Let's move on. I yeah. learned from that. Now, how am I either going to make that better or decide that I don't want to do that anymore? Absolutely. And I love what you're what you're sort of um, projecting, because, you know, my whole thing is, you know, you and I talked a little bit about kids and going the non-traditional way and then the traditional way. I remember sitting in my son, my first son's guidance uh, counselor's office and you and I are also one of my things. We're going to go back to guidance counselors. This guy was really good, though. Um, he basically, you know, my older son didn't know what he wanted. I uh, I guess I'll just quickly tell you my story with the guidance counselor where I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. I didn't realize till much later, actually, till my second son um, was sort of diagnosed with some, let's call it learning. He just learns differently. I hate to say disability or anything like that. He learns mm -hmm. differently. And I realized through his process, I learned differently too. Yes. And, but they caught, but I'd go in and, you know, we were all excited, you know, to find out, you know, what we could do and what our options were. And when I went in, I was like, I want to be a criminal lawyer. He literally LOL'd me in my face and said, 
what? Like, have you seen your marks? You're not smart. You'll never get into law school. Go, you know, marry rich, have a few kids, you'll be fine. And I was like, well, I would like that too, but that's, you know, down the road. Like right now I would like to, you know, go to school. What are my options? He's like, you have none, you're not smart. And I was just like, wow. And I, I walked away and I feel like at that point, sort of looking back, I could have gone either way. I could have, you know, gotten into, you know, substance abuse. I could have done so many things to sort of um, dishonor who I am, or I could have said, okay, like I did believe him because he was my guidance counselor and my parents, you know, were very well educated, but they had immigrated to Canada. So I didn't, I didn't know there was such thing as, as funding. They didn't have a lot of money, um, but they also didn't have the knowledge of how to get me somewhere that we do today um, if I wasn't, you know, accepted. So, you know, in saying that, just like your story, people have to be very careful what they tell young people because they're impressionable. Uh, they do care, even though people say, oh, we don't care what people think about us. Of course they care because they're looking for the, they're trying to find themselves. They're trying to look for guidance. And so now to fast forward, we're sitting in my son's school. And of course, you know, I, day he was born, started putting money away because I wanted him to have the opportunity. I never wanted him to feel mm. like he had to go to school, but I wanted him to feel that he had the choice if he wanted to go. And so we sat and he he really struggled. He did, you know, a victory lap and still didn't really know what he wanted to do. And he sat down and he was sort of in tears and saying, you know, I just, you know, Johnny knows he wants to do this. Billy knows he's doing that. He goes, I just don't know. And the guidance counselor kind of looked at me for my cue. And I said, well, listen, I don't want you to have to go and do something you don't want to do just for the sake of going to school. And he said, mom, I don't want to spend $10,000 just to go to party and not do school. Guidance counselor slammed his book shut and he said, well, that in 33 years is the most mature thing I've ever heard anybody say, good for you. And he's like, see these two assholes behind me? Because these are my boys. <laughs> they're 30 grand in debt. They're this, they're that. They live in my basement. However, they've started up their own company um, for construction or renovations or something. They're doing fantastic. You know, they just bought a house. And so- I don't know. I don't think, you know, I'm sure I'll get lots of hate comment here. I don't think that they have to traditionally maybe go to school and at such a young age, do something else, like do something that lights you up and that makes you passionate. And just to come full circle, you said something really interesting, you know, make mistakes in your twenties and thirties. That's when you're supposed to make mistakes, you know, and learn from them. But it's not always about finding out what you want. A lot of times it's finding out what you don't want. And that's what the message that I got from what you just said. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing your story. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yes, because what your son said is basically what both of my, our children have been through is that, you know, our son, for both of them, we knew that school wasn't the traditional it just wasn't the way for them. It wasn't the way for them to feel successful and it just wasn't going to serve. So with our son, our son has a quote unquote diagnosis and um, we joke, you know, he's, they say Asperger's um, cognitive learning disability, all this kind of stuff. And anyway, I, I can't stand labels. I, I just, for me, sorry, not that I look, they're necessary, but I just feel like, I bet you he is so incredible 
and so creative. One of my best friends has a son exactly with those diagnoses. And he is one of the most amazing human beings, creative, smart, entrepreneur. So I just don't think it's limiting. That's all. But go ahead. So what does, so he said, I'm not going to school. Fair enough. So he said, I'm not, we just figured we're like, you don't have to, like a friend of mine whose son was having some challenges and everything. She introduced us to this gap year program where it doesn't have to just be for a a gap. It it can just be for the used as travel in this expansive way of, of doing things. So we looked into this program. Anyway, he went to Costa Rica for, we thought it was going to be two weeks. It ended up being two months. It was a group program, best experience ever, like completely changed his life. Um, he traveled to, to Spain. Also, he speaks full in Spanish. Um, he did prior to going. So it was just really part of, wow. he really, really took it right in. Um, and then when he came back, like he had at 19, like all of the junk shitty jobs like he worked ups the morning shift he um but what he learned that shift from three to nine three in the morning to nine in the morning was even though it sucks is to be the best you can be so he literally would move up the ranks and everybody recognized him for being so good and but he could see with these glasses that he had on he's like i don't want this life like, yeah. I don't want to do this. So then he went into door to door. He went into roofing, which he didn't know anything about roofing. And it was door to door sales, which, oh my God, talk about the hardest job ever. Like, ever. Even- it's like selling suitcases door to door. I think that was one of my first jobs. It was ridiculous. But did you, you did yeah, that? It's like, sla- yeah, it's like slant people slamming doors in your face. I think I only ever sold one set. And I think it was because I was probably almost in tears, blisters on my feet. And the poor man's like, listen, can I give you a lift home? And I'm like, you know, I'm not supposed to get in a car with strangers, but yes, please. Bringing <laughs> these suitcases around, right? And it was just, you know, but I think that's so important. And I think, you know, I'm sure you have friends too. And my friends are like, oh, you know, can't wait to be an empty nester and da, da, da. And their kids come back after a year or two with, you know, uh, and not everybody. So please don't think that. But, you know, with a lot of depression, with anxiety, they feel like a failure because they they were, you know, kind of groomed to do that traditional route. And for many people, it's a great option. I just want to say it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And give your kids the choice. And I love that you and your husband or partner are that way where you gave them that choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. So yeah, so moving forward, he ended up, you know, realizing no, then moved up kind of in roofing, like kind of he became a project manager and he was 21. He was 21, 22 years old when he became a project manager. And what was the, it helped because he spoke fluent Spanish because he is incredibly hard work ethic because of all these things. And some people would be like, well, how did you get this business? And he's like, don't blame me. I didn't hire me. Like they hired me. So like he just, he was able to have the confidence, which I just so admired. So there was so much growth. He wouldn't have known about these things if he didn't have the hands-on experience. And with our daughter, she um, thought she was going to go to college. Uh, She kind of felt like this is the thing I should do. But once we kind of it finally sunk into her head. Here we were saying, you can travel, you can do what your brother did and you can do this and da, da, da. And she was very resistant. But then once she actually spoke to them, then she was like, 
maybe I will do that. Like, that's exciting because she's always wanted to travel. She's a traveler and she hasn't had the, she hadn't had the chance to do that. But then kind of fast forwarding, she ends up, she, she works, she saves up, she pays for her trips. So at that time, back then, when just when she graduated high school, she went to Costa Rica on a different program that our son did and worked with turtles and environment and all that kind of stuff. But then she came back and worked and then she saved up and she went to Bali and Thailand and then came back and worked. And then now she's leaving for um, Portugal, Spain and Switzerland for five weeks and she's paying for everything because she is just it's something that she's passionate about and just so proud of her I'm so proud of her and I don't even know her but (laughs) I think it's like you said you've got to let you know we have to let our children and our youth sort of come into their own in their own way right and I think it's just wonderful like traveling I think is fantastic I gave my kids that option they didn't want it fair enough but they took different routes and they tried different things. And they're like, oh, you know, at first it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. I can't stand this. And I, and I said, and that's why I always say to people and uh, to my clients who have uh, younger, younger, let's say kids, but they're not kids. And especially what the pandemic did to our youth is, is we're going to be recovering for years after that, but um, the ones that were affected, but I really feel like it's sometimes just not finding what you want It's finding what you don't want to do. Just like your son, he found what he didn't want to do. It's kind of like, so I need to do better or I need to do different because I don't want that. Right. Right. And and it's it's a beautiful thing that you allowed them to grow that way. I mean, look, we still have rules and I'm sure you guys have expectations of, you know, being just a good human all around, but that's great that you still have that relationship and you can sort of guide them when they need it. Right. Well, that's what it is. And that's a different space that I have called. It wasn't in the manual, the art of parenting your own way. <laughs> like that's just another aspect of something that I've created because it's just, I am, I'm passionate about in all of these spaces, the, the, the thread that I see that goes through everything that I do is creating safe spaces And I think within what we've spent time talking about in this parenting space, I think it's important for parents to know that there isn't just one way of doing something and that mistakes happen, that we screw up because even if, if whether we've had one child or 10 children, like they all come as a different person and we have to learn how to understand that child. And, and I, I, I don't know, right. Satan saying parent that child um, and how this is kind of a, a, a collaboration in a sense. So sure. we need to understand that. And also like simple things of knowing, like everybody drops their kids. Like it's yeah. not something that we talk about, but I dropped my son when he was two weeks old and I was a mess and I was just crying. And I would called up my, I called up our pediatrician and we were in New York and we were in like a different bro. We were in Queens. He was a man. I'm like, I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, I just dropped my son. And uh, he's just like, Hollis, he's, he's telling me everything to look for. He's like, if you want to come in, if you want to bring him in, you can. He's like, I can tell you that he's okay. He said, but then he said, which I will never forget. And our son is 23 years old. He said, there's an old saying, Hollis, if you can't drop them, you can't raise them. Oh, he said, everybody drops their kids. Oh, that is really good. I said, they do. 
He's like, what do? <laughs> now I'm just trying to think out of the four, how many I dropped and how many times I dropped them. But uh, that is so funny. I oh. mean, and, you know, talking about funny, because I want to know sort of how you get all of the things that you have now and all the wonderful, I guess, programs and, and your written material. Is it all through coaching? Is it through online learning? Like share a little bit about that, because I mean, people, you can sort of get, I think you can become a doctor on YouTube now. I don't know, but you can sort of learn everything online and remotely. And I don't know, I, I used to not really love that, but you know, I guess when we were forced into doing it a few years back, uh, we kind of adapted to it. And there's sort of like, you save travel time, you know, I guess some people don't have to dress from the waist down so nice. <laughs> and there's many different um, perks to it. And the biggest thing is you can reach so many, such a bigger audience, which is why, you know, uh, my story, why I've done the the podcast and the magazine is because you're re reaching so many more people. So tell, tell me and tell our audience um, sort of how we can connect with you and in which way. I do have one last question before we close off this conversation. I have a younger audience as well. And I get a lot of questions, a lot of parenting questions. How do I deal with my, you know, helicopter mom? How do I deal with, you know, not having a dad? How do I deal with, you know, being on my own at this age? But you brought something up really, really profound when you said, uh, you know, parents have to learn. Fair enough, we do. What can a child say? Is there a tip or two or three that you can share with a male or female, a human child that is sort of battling their folks right now on where their direction should go? And what can they say in a respectful manner, but in a way that, you know, they won't get, because some of my, some of my clients and my listeners um, have been shunned from the family because they're not following whether it's a marital path or an educational path or a different path that was laid out for them, you know, prior to even them being born, they've taken that choice away. So can you share something that might, they might be able to at least start the conversation with their folks? So are you talking, are you talking about an age of being like high school, college age? Yes. I think that people who, you know who you're dealing with basically. So by this point, as the child, you know who your guardians are. You understand their personalities. You understand kind of how to approach certain situations generally. So what I would suggest is not using a tone of voice that is yelling. So tone, very it's, important. Tone is a very important part of things. And it's saying there's a there's this there's like in the tone that you use, there's a confidence, but then there's not a overtaking of the overpowering of the situation. So for example, it could be, um, could we please schedule a time to talk? I know you're busy, or can we just make a time to talk where we could just take like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever, put it in words where we could just, I just want to talk to you about some ideas that I have. And I would just appreciate it if you would listen and not judge me for what's being said. 
That's great. Um, so sort of late. So tone laying out what sort of the expectation is, because a lot of times I feel parents and it's look, it's a skill because there was no manual when they were born, or at least all four of mine got lost. Um, but the thing is, it is like you said, knowing uh, who your who your guardians are. But so it really is sort of setting the pretext of I just need you to hear me. Because I, I think that's such a huge barrier between kids and parents uh, is that nobody feels heard. The parents don't feel heard kids don't feel heard and then becomes world war 982 right well, yeah we all of a sudden kind of get triggered it's like a bunch of triggers it's like a bunch of landmines so and everybody gets set off for different reasons well i'm the adult you're supposed to listen to me and then the kid is like well what am i like didn't you like at some point like just an example um at one point our son was saying something that i was just like i was listening and i said who are you like who raised you? Like, yeah. like, I don't understand. There wasn't yelling going on, but I was just like, I don't understand how you think that way. And he looked at me and he said, didn't you raise me to be my own person? Didn't you raise me to have my own ideas? And I went, you're Maybe. like, damn, <laughs> you're like, damn. <laughs> you don't get to use my parenting on me, but yes, I did. Yeah. Wow. I was like, maybe. And he's like, well, <laughs> And I'm like, okay, it's kind of like, again, the mirror, the mirror in my face. But with, with my temperament I, before, when I was frustrated in my job and I could be triggered more quickly because I was tired and frustrated and angry, it could escalate into an argument sure. admittedly. Sure. But now in the space that I am more, so there's other kind of stressors and all of that, but I'm more in an even more even space. So we can approach things in a different way. So going back to what we were saying, I think it's important to set up a um, uh, a roadmap in a sense of just saying like, I need you to listen to me. And that way they can come into the situation. And if you aren't going to listen, then, you know, we can't have the conversation right now. We need to figure out time when we can. Yeah. And it's not 5.02 PM when they get through the, the folks get through the door from a crazy busy work day. Yes. You don't approach right. them at that time. So I think what you're saying is timing is everything too. So maybe saying something like, Hey, can we go for coffee on the weekend? Or when, when do you have some time in your schedule where we can, you know, have a talk and then the parents are going to be, you know, a lot of times they, you know, and I know that when my kids have come and, you know, typically when I walk through the door, I got to talk to you. I'm like, okay, no worries. Can you give me five? Well, if you think it can wait five minutes, I'm like, well, I don't know if it can wait five minutes. I'm not sure what you want to talk about. So I think what you're saying to, to the younger um, audience is timing, tone, and setting the precedence yeah. of the conversation that you don't need advice. You don't need somebody to solve it for you. You just need an ear and you need them to be open-minded. That's what I took from what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and engage in conversation with your parent, with your guardian. Find out more about them. There could be this kind of barrier very much of adult child, but maybe just kind of let guards down a little bit and ask them questions. What did you do when you were a kid? What did you like to do? Maybe actually do that activity together. Something where there can be some kind of way to connect. So if you're feeling disconnected, then you can 
find a way to connect and understand them a little bit better because usually we're all made up of stories. So our stories tend to be, you know, why we do things in the way that we do them. hundred um, percent. And the good, bad, and the indifferent, right? Yes. I mean, look at, you know, some parents, you know, maybe that are helicopter parents or parents that, you know, parent from a distance and there could have been childhood trauma. There could have been, you know, an absent parent. There could have been many different reasons. They could have felt, you know, kind of suffocated as a kid. There's so many reasons, but like you said, get to know your folks so they feel like, well, number one, so you can get to know them and maybe see what the barriers are. Because like you said, there's clues and there's stories everywhere. I think sometimes we don't listen. We don't. We don't. Because we're we're all, we're the main character. Our story is the most important. And then it gets into this, this like bidding war of whose story is more important. And then that's where the shutdown happens. With my daughter, um, we would get into this head to head all the time and it would escalate and then I would I would say I I would leave like I would leave the space and she would get really upset and finally you know she got old enough to be able to say that really makes me anxious when you leave because I don't know when you're coming back oh interesting I don't know she said because you could you could walk away she's like because it's not finished to me So I need this to be finished. There's like this, you know, this need for it to be complete for her in the way that it needs to be complete, which is understandable. But I would just like walk away. And admittedly, it's not that it wasn't the best way for me to handle situations. So she said, you might not come back for an hour or two. So she said, can you tell me when you're going to be back? So it's just that little kind of tweak, because I think. Yeah, I think it's so important though. Like, I, and it's funny, I do that with my second son too, that as soon as it starts to escalate or I even feel myself starting to escalate, I will walk away. Or And it's funny because now sometimes he'll walk away. And I think it's important that you both know as, as adults, and I'm not saying to do this with a two or three-year-old. I'm saying as right. adults to say, listen, I'm feel, but yes, communicate. Listen, I'm feeling like I need a time out. That's what I used to say to <laughs> kids when I was gonna like blow a gasket I'm like I need a timeout right now and I'll be back in like five or ten minutes or 30 minutes max and as soon as I could you know collect myself and get my head around something different like you said it's you're typically never upset with them it's usually other stressor other stressors in your life but how interesting that she could communicate that to you and it was probably a game changer for both of you It really was because I realized I was doing what you were saying was I realized that I needed to step away because I needed to take a breather. So I was thinking that I was doing a good thing by stepping away and removing myself from the situation, but it wasn't being done in a complete way. It wasn't being done with communication. So I found that to be incredibly, we found that to be incredibly helpful. So when we got to any kind of space like that, I could say, look, I need to, I need, I need to walk away and I need like 20 minutes. I will set a timer and I will be back in 20 minutes. That's great. I love that. That it, is, it helps. that is probably some of the most valuable parenting advice or tips that you could give somebody because really you figure, and, and you might've read it in a book, you might've seen it in a magazine, you might've heard it somewhere, 
online, but I think that will that sort of tip alone will save parents, kids, and relationships hundreds and thousands of hours of mm. back and forth nonsense. Mm. Right? Don't you think? I mean, don't you kind of you kind of think now, and I, I know I do for myself going, damn, I should have used this before. Didn't, you know, but, you know, glad we have it now, but it, it's right. so important. It's well, it's funny because it's, you know, going to the classroom. So when, and when I was teaching in the classroom, and it's funny that I didn't make the connection between this, but if there would be any kind of altercation in the room or whether it be physical or verbal, and I could, I would take the people out of the room and have my eyes on the room while I had them out. And I would set a timer and say, you each have a minute to talk. The rules of this are you need to listen to each other. You cannot interrupt. You are going to get a chance to speak. You oh. need to listen to the other person and what they have to say and set the timer. Generally, they wouldn't take the minute. It would usually be a lot less than a minute where they would say, why they did what they did or what they were thinking. And then the other person could then share theirs. So then they were listening to each other and then it would, it would get resolved at least to, it would be de-escalated. And um, it, it's just that point of people want to be heard. And sometimes That's there's that frustration where then it comes into the physical because they're frustrated because they're not being heard or they're, they're not being seen. So um, that just was really effective, um, but I didn't make the connection in the parenting space, uh, but I could do it in my classroom space. Of course you could. I mean, it's always so much easier. And it's it's funny because, you know, people will say, well, you know, I fix all these other families and all these other people, but I can't <laughs> fix what's, you know, underneath my roof. And, you know, my thought process always is, you know, it's like the electrician that, you know, needs 28 light bulbs changed in his house, right? right it's much, right. much easier to fix other people, but, you know, you really do have to look in that mirror. So let's just, you know, sort of in closing, because you and I, I know are going to do part five, six, seven, and 12, because <laughs> we're just going to go on for hours and hours and days and days. There's, you've got, I just so applaud you and what you do explain how people can uh sort of either get in contact with you and what is it that you actually are doing today to follow your sort of your passion and your journey of serving and helping others yeah, thank you i know we could go on forever and ever so um i call myself a creativity doula I help guide people to birth their stories into the world. And a big part in the way I do this is through my books, is through multi-author and through solo books. Um, so I help people to get their stories out there and to recognize that we all have them. And and uh, people come to me in different stages of where they are. Some people are like, Hollis, I, I, I have a story. I have no idea how to birth it. I say birth because it really is that idea of planting a seed which you get the seed and hopefully it's enjoyable in the way that the seed was gotten. Usually it's kind of there's, like, Ooh. there's a little bit of pain throughout regardless <laughs> when you take any kind of uh, sort of project on like that. But like you said, I think the pleasure way out, like it really outweighs the pain for sure. When so you plant the seed and then you go through the process and then the birthing of it. It's like my, one of my children's book authors that we're launching in a week 
She's like, is it normal to be excited and want to vomit at the same time? I'm like, you're crowning. <laughs> like you yes. are crowning because your vulnerability is just like right there. The baby is right there for everybody to see. And um, so, yeah, so that is a, a large way in what I do. And I'm very much about community and networking and just really helping people uh, grow and feel empowered. And that's my best way to reach me is really and see everything that I do in one space is my website, which is okay. I, I am creative Philly, P H I L L Y.com and has my podcast, my the um, book opportunities, the um, my coaching, all that kind of stuff. I love that. And you know what? You and I will be forever besties because I absolutely love what you stand for. And you've got a really good name. I am creative, right? And I am unbreakable, but it's making it the I am so you can share with all of your amazing clients and the rest of the world. So that is so beautiful. You are such an awesome, awesome human being. Thank you for joining us. And I look forward to the next podcast we do together. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. <laughs>